Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Queen of Queries and Defender of Droids, Sarah O'Connor, and in honor of Halloween coming up, we're showing off our little Mandalorian shirts, and I've got Boba Fett enjoying a Han Solo popsicle. (laughs) That's kind of the greatest thing ever. Although I don't think Carbonite would taste that good. I don't know. I don't know. But I love I love the shirt. I got it at a con. It's so cute. <laughs> love it. And hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am wearing my little chamois chic uh, power now. Power now t-shirt today. Little chamois. So cute. I am Pirate Jedi, Anders Drew, and because this is the way, I do have my Mandalorian. So merch. cool. This and is the yes. way. Mm-hmm. And I'm Flo Siegel, your ambassador to Naboo, and in honor of voting fascists out, you should vote. This is the way. This Woo! is the, the fucking way. way. This is the way. So vote early, <laughs> get out there, get some more people with you, and just go vote. And as we are listening to this, preparing ourselves, getting ready to vote, we truly run the gambit here in terms of rank from Padawan to Knight and apparently Pirate to Master. But no matter that rank that you carry, one thing does remain constant. Much to learn, we still have. Very true. And everybody, welcome to season two of The Mandalorian. We have been waiting so long for this. All season long, we will be providing you with our quick takes on every single episode. And then after episode four and the finale, episode eight, we will do a full extreme dorky dive. Sarah, I'm seriously predicting three and a half hours on this one, (laughs) just based on this episode today. But today, today we are covering episode one of season two, The Marshal. This episode was written and directed by Mandalorian creator John Favreau. So beware, there will be spoilers for this episode, as well as some wild speculation about the future. So if you've seen this week's Mando, Grab your favorite drink from the cantina, snuggle up with the baby Yoda, grill up that nice, thick, juicy crate dragon steak, and settle in for this look at what Favreau and his team have created. So Sarah, let's punch it with a quick episode recap. So to get straight to it, we've got kind of three main things. I'll take the first one, Colleen take the second, Flo, you take that third one. First and foremost, we had seen in the trailers um, the meeting and killing of Gore Koresh at the space UFC. (laughs) Fight, fight. Colleen, what happened next? Ford Morins. Heading to Tatooine, of course. Gotta go back to Tatooine to meet another alleged Mandalorian, only to discover Cobb Vamp! Yes! Mm, Cobb Vamp. And a little smidgy, little teeny tiny problem with some sand dragons with like, you know, a nice little hello from our mechanic friend Peli Motto and her droids of course, which Mando is no longer prejudiced against. Very nice touch. Nice touch. Very nice touch. <laughs> and Flo, last lastly this entire episode is basically a side quest um mando teams up with the townspeople of mos pelgo and the tuscan raiders who i thought were all dead men women children too (laughs) just that village village. it's still haunted though it's fine (laughs) Um, and they all work together to slay the sand dragon Moving up next, um, Anders, sorry to cut you off but let's plug you right back in to talk about those reactions what did you think 
this episode was fucking awesome. All right. <laughs> it is the longest episode to date. Uh, it was about 54 minutes. I believe the season one finale was like 48. Um, Timothy Oliphant as the marshal. A very nice little callback uh, Easter egg for Deadwood, his former show. Um, the way that they incorporated a lot of these traditional fantasy elements, like slaying the dragon and such, into this very, very distinct Western setting, I just thought was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, that crate dragon that the Tuscan Rangers are, you know, they're making sacrifices to it to keep it at bay. Right. Um, traditional dragon lore does say that, like, the fleshy underbelly is the most vulnerable part of a dragon. So, very cool. And I also just really liked the little bit of growth we get here on the part of the Tuscan Raiders, this idea that they actually have a sense of honor um, contrasts with our traditional view of them, namely Anakin's, their animals, and I slaughtered them like animals, men, women, children. I'm just saying he's um, got hot takes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe that event is what caused them to kind of like evolve in their culture or something. Ultimately, we don't know. Uh, and then I also just really like the way the crate dragon moves through the sand. It was very yeah. Dune Tremors inspired, especially where they had to, how they ultimately defeated it. Yep. Uh, but I mean, that's my reaction. Now, Flo, you got the hot takes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I agree that it was the longest episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I just, I, I was really, really excited to watch it. Um, I watched it after the three of you, mostly because of time zones. Um, and I know you guys were super pumped and were hyping me up on text and we got to it. And it was just really long. Uh, it just like <laughs> kind of dragged on for me. It uh, did not feel like a season premiere for me. It just felt like we were like in such a high spot with the finale of season one. I did love how they called this chapter nine and not like, chapter one of season two it did feel yes. like we picked right up where we left off which i really really liked but just like the side starting with the side mission just felt really really weird um and i just like didn't really buy into a lot of it that being said it was gorgeous um the score was stunning mm -hmm. with like the beautiful like panoramic shots of tatooine i love tatooine obviously that's where my boy annie is from so <laughs> <laughs> love it all about it timothy oliphant was incredible although <laughs> i love how you guys are like deadwood whereas my husband and i looked at each other we're like Danny from the office <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the hottest person in the office like, yes. what is he doing here but he did look fine so i was yeah. there for that um mm -hmm. i did like the tuscan raiders you know getting some humanity just like not enough baby yoda for me not enough steaks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was I wasn't super here for it. Colleen, however, I think you disagree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only slightly. <laughs> Thank the Forest Mando is back. That's pretty much my my take on this episode. Um, and thank you, Pelly, for finally fucking saying the Force. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to. <laughs> Thankfully, she said it. Didn't seem to phase Mando much when she said it. So he probably was like, "Hmm, interesting saying." But then, of mm. course, doesn't ask any questions about it. Um, I was so excited for this episode just because it was the premiere and we've waited a, not that long, but long enough for it. And then I it's saw- It's 2020, it's been 10 years. <laughs> that is true. It has been 84 years of 2020 <laughs> to get to this episode and that title card hit. And I was just like, bam, a million times up because it was the Marshall and I knew who the Marshall was. <laughs> so it's like, Timothy Oliphant, please. 
please, please give us Timothy Oliphant. Um, it's the perfect role for him, basically the sheriff with the heart of gold, but yet is still a little iffy when it comes to morals, especially in his book sections. He's a little, hmm, but that's fine. He brought that, that blend of like danger, excitement and charm, of course. He's a little Han Solo-ish, but more in his role at this point of protecting people, which I love. I love, I love a good sheriff character that's not corrupt. Like, yes. Thank you, town, for having a sheriff that is not corrupt. Um, that we also got to look at my fictional people first in power husband. Who are not corrupt? Right, what? right. What? I know. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Like, we don't need an empire here. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and fictional first husband, Sam Witwer, also a nice little guest shot. I was very happy to see that. <laughs> like, please give me more Sam Witwer all the damn time. Um, we also got creatures. I'm a huge creature fan. So every single time we saw a new creature, I was mm -hmm. like, yes, this is so fantastic. Great dragon. Yes. I think my favorite moment, though, um, besides that delish ending cameo that we'll be talking about is when Cobb. Cobb Vanth first takes off his helmet and you can see Mando just kind of like freeze and be like, what are you doing? That was so funny. Poor, who, if it's Pedro in that armor at that point, great physical acting because you mm -hmm. know exactly what he is thinking at that moment. He's like, well, this guy's not a real Mandalorian. <laughs> He's taking his damn helmet off. Um, I did like that what sets this Mandalorian, this series apart from other Star Wars properties is its tone. Um, I'm glad Favreau is sticking to that gritty Western kind of thing. Yeah. It really hits home when it hits right. And he, I think he hit this one out of the ballpark. Even if it was a premiere, it didn't quite feel like a premiere, more like maybe a mid-season. More to like introduce... a chapter nine. Yes, chapter nine. But yeah. we had to introduce Cobb Vanth and Tatooine again. And because we're prowling on comeback here, you guys. But seriously, Din, do you have to tell everyone you meet your mission? Every but Colleen, single person. Didn't you know that's what he's known for? Like everyone who's anybody anywhere has heard about him and his precious cargo that he must travel with everywhere. <laughs> that man, <laughs> I definitely enjoyed the Western theme, but I totally understand the stance of it like being a season two and not feeling like a season two opener. I felt very much like this was a continuation of the story. And so I was okay with it, but I, I agree, Flo, that some of it ran a little bit long, and it surprised me that it was just kind of like, no, we're immediately doing a side quest into armor. So I, I see it, but I absolutely loved the cinematography. I loved the music. And I think, again, the mix of puppetry and CGI was fantastic. Yes, yes. Like, you have to wonder if that dragon better belonged in just Jurassic Park with how they were trying to feed it. I was just waiting for, like, a Great silver... Dragon doesn't want doesn't to be fed. He wants to hunt. Yeah, That's exactly. unfortunate raider found out. <laughs> that was hysterical. I felt bad because he got eaten, but also, like, <laughs> Yes. And I think probably my final last reaction as the defender of droids, I guess maybe we can now move into a different kind of defender because I absolutely agree with Anders' assessment of the newer way that we get to look at Tusken Raiders. I think it's absolutely fantastic, especially the incorporation of sign language. I mean, they share a hearth, they share food. It's a wholly different way of almost playing Monday night quarterbacking to Anakin as a character. And I find that to be absolutely 
fantastic, this yes. wedding together of all of the stories. Again, this Star Wars, this Mandalorian is so much about bringing everyone together, a unification of adorable sensation. And I think speaking of which, bringing everyone together, let's get to those Easter eggs and connections because I think one of the reasons why there's kind of a divide in reactions is if you recognize the Easter eggs, this was a field day of an episode for, for so them. So much fan so, service. <laughs> so much fan service being played. So Colleen, why don't you take it with our first Easter egg connection? Okay. So we don't know what planet this is in the cold open. There is some speculation that it might be Lothal. I'm I hoping not. not because yikes, it has, something has gone horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> And what are those hound things with like the red eyes? They can't be loath cats, it's too big. And also loath cats wouldn't maul and murder someone hanging from a street lamp. Um, there's tons of graffiti around here, which has a ton of cool little Easter eggs. It's got basically Star Wars greatest hits. Darth Vader, General Grievous, uh, Chewie is in one shot or a Wookiee. Battle droids, stormtroopers. There's a rebel starbird hidden in there. Little Sabine maybe. Mm -hmm action coming at us. Mm -hmm. Possibly 3PO or at least some sort of protocol droid looking guy. And a toy Darian. If it's Watto, it could be Watto, but it's a toy Darian. Love Watto. Can I just point out that like Mando had such a Sansa moment here, like having somebody <laughs> eaten by hounds. Yeah. <laughs> it was yes. so yes. I promise that you will not die by my hand. So good. <laughs> All right. Flo, what's our next one? <laughs> So next we've got Gore Koresh, who's that Cyclops Abyssian, and he's played by John Leguizamo, who is connected to Star Wars via our dude, Ewan McGregor from Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Best movie. Go watch it tonight. So good. <laughs> <laughs> and while we, uh, while we see Gore Koresh, we do have a nice little... Um, some Gamorreans fighting to the death, as Sarah mentioned in the Galactic UFC. Uh, one of them even does a nice WWE, like jump out of the ring and slam through a table. <laughs> but this is kind of a little bit of a visual callback to Jabba's palace when poor little Jubnuck got eaten by the Rancor for everyone's amusements. Trying to do his job, guys. Fortunate, I know. But Sarah, what's a nice little, what's a potentially nice happier one that we see? Yeah, we get to see R5-D4 in Pele's shop last seen in the cantina in season one. And poor dude, you can still see the carbon scoring where he blew his motivator. Can someone please clean him? Please do something besides just complain about how fast he can go. He's a true hero of the rebellion. This guy intentionally blew up his motivator so R2 would be chosen. And he later joined the rebellion on his own. This is someone who deserves like primo luxury spa day. So come on over, we'll take care of it. Heck Colleen. How about what's next? Mm -hmm. uh, sigh. After all this time, we finally thought we would see what a Womp Rat looks like. But wow, wow, we do not. Uh, these little kangaroo raptor guys are called scurriers. I looked it up on Wikipedia just to be sure. Um, we also get to see Massifs, who are the, the like best boy Tuscan Raider doggos. They're so cute, <laughs> these little reptilian dog guys. Um, Anakin did kill some of these guard dogs in Attack of the Clones, so we have seen them before. Hey, you win um, some, you lose some, all right, guys? That's very true. They're also in Clone Wars, the animated show. And then one of my favorites, you get to see a Tusken Raider brushing <laughs> its <laughs> Bantha's teeth. 
<laughs> oh my god, solid pet owners right here. Like and until real. they let them get eaten, but but besides that, yes, yeah, that, that that part's a little iffy. But at least they're looking after their dental hygiene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. What do we got next, Sarah? So next up, we've got Mando being somewhat okay-ish with droids now, which is a very nice little upgrade to his relationship developing with IG-11. Rest in peace, you wonderful, wonderful droid. And it allows Pele's pit droids to work on a ship. So you know what? We get a little bit of character growth right there. It's small but important. Mm -hmm. Anders, what's next? This is the big one, guys. We got Boba Fett's armor. Yeah, that was huge. Oh, my God. On Timothy Oliphant, a.k.a. Cobb Vanth, as Colleen mentioned earlier. So Cobb Vanth as a character first does appear acquiring the armor in the novel Aftermath, which is part of a trilogy that kind of covers the time post-Second Death Star up through the Battle of Jakku, so the very, very last days of the Empire. Mm-hmm. In the novels, he rescues Jabba's Beastmaster... Um, Malachi from the desert, they recruit him to take care of Freetown's animals, as well as a little hutlet. (laughs) So, is it possible that we end up seeing a little baby hut somewhere in the future? I don't know. But Timothy Oliphant just kills it in this role. (laughs) Yeah, and speaking Mm -hmm. of Timothy Oliphant earlier, another little Deadwood Easter egg is that W. Earl Brown, who played a bartender on Deadwood, plays the, is it a Weequay? Weequay. The Weequay. Nailed it, nailing it right and left. Bartender. (laughs) Shout out to my boy Hondo. Yeah. (laughs) There's this guy Hondo. Mm -hmm. That Oliphant's vamp is very close to, for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Buddies. That's funny. Speaking of which, <laughs> Spotchka sighting. I Not wrote blue Spotchka milk. in my notes. Spotchka? <laughs> Darn right. Although he doesn't call the bartender by his name. He just says, Weekway, please give me the Spotchka. So I'm like, okay, that's weird, but all right, we'll, we'll go with it. And it's not blue milk this time. It's blue liquor. Hmm. I just hmm. love how it's referred to as snorts. Two snorts. <laughs> two snorts. Yeah. Instead of shots. Two I was. I maybe I was it's got a powder form. I don't know. That's what I was about to say. I was a little bit surprised when they brought over liquor after that. I was like, okay. <laughs> but as Colleen mentioned earlier, if we get to the next one, if you do a blink, you've already missed the cameo of the voice actor for Darth Maul, Sam Whitwer. He was uh, he was a villager in Moss Pelgro right outside and Din is riding into town. So you get to see it right here thanks to BGS. And I'm absolutely th- convinced that those are kegs he's wielding, he's <laughs> going along, but who knows? Maybe it's fuel, I don't know. No, no, <laughs> he's a frat of- star, frat star. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of zipping by, Anders, why don't you talk about the next yeah. one, which this I one, really like seeing. Yeah. I loved this next one, guys. So here we have, instead of a speeder bike, um Cobb apparently has what seems to be a swoop speeder or a swoop racer now I first um read a little bit about these actually a while ago when I read the now legends novel Tatooine Ghost um which involves Leia going back to Tatooine Mm -hmm. to retrieve some intel and she actually finds um Shmi's like hollow journal from her days like post Anakin leaving the planet up through her marriage um so there's a lot of interesting background there, but kind of after pod racing was abolished, they basically took the pod racers, 
stuck another seat on them and claimed that they were something different. These things called swoop, <laughs> swoop speeders. <laughs> so, and this one does bear a lot of similarities to Anakin's from The Phantom Menace. The paint job's a little bit different. The fans aren't exactly like where they were, but you got to think it's been 30-ish years. So that would absolutely make sense that things have changed a little bit. Yeah. Reduce, reuse, yeah. recycle. Exactly. exactly. He's rocking those Iron Man colors. It's great. Yeah. Some things never change. <laughs> like our next one. <laughs> yes. Uh, the ice cream maker <laughs> It's still being used to carry around loot. Um, it was a big reveal, quote unquote, last season. This is a reference to Empire Strikes Back, where there's a shot of the character Wilro Hood carrying what looks like an ice cream maker called a Camtono while he's fleeing Cloud City. And this is it again, guys. There it Gotta is. Shout it out again. I mean, it's what pretty hot on Tatooine. They definitely need ice cream makers. For sure. They do. They absolutely yes. <laughs> do. But, all right, our next big creature, Flo, you want to tell us a little this bit about this one. guy? Yeah. This, this is the crate Dragon. It was definitely, like, the main focal point of this episode. And this is the creature that Obi-Wan impersonated to drive off Tusken Raiders. Um, we saw the skeleton of one while C-3PO is wandering the desert in New mm -hmm. Hope as well. Um, and crate dragons are hunted for their pearls. We actually see the pearl. Um, really cool. Great shot. <laughs> they like pull it pearl. out of the guts. It's kind of gross. Um, the Tusken Raiders take it. And the pearls can be used in lightsabers. Um, but this one is a little bit big. Yeah, <laughs> that's what and if you And if you are kind of an old school gamer, you may also recognize the crate dragon um, and possibly the kind of general construction of this episode. So the quest to hunt and kill a crate dragon is actually straight out of the original Knights of the Old Republic video game way back when I think I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Um, uh, it's also kind of a focal point in the newer game called Bounty Hunter where you play as Django Fett. And I think that game's only about a year or so old. Oh, but going back to the Tusken Raiders, Sarah. Yeah, what I love about this is we get to see them riding in single file to hide their numbers, just like mm -hmm. Obi-Wan tells Luke in A New Hope. It was great, absolutely great to see them in their natural element, mm -hmm. kind of like their viewpoint chapters from a certain point of view. Yes. And you know what else? What was the very last thing that we got to see, Colleen, which was wild <laughs> and the inspiration for my shirt today? Ooh, yes. <laughs> Boba Fett teaser. Just wild. for us, guys. That cloaked image of Tamara Morrison. Like, mm, he's so scarred up, guys, too. The sun has not been kind to him. It has to be Also Boba the Fett. Sarlacc. And the Sarlacc. Well, yeah, that also didn't help. I mean, at least he was wearing his armor and his helmet at that point, but... Yeah, it looks like his eyebrows have also been burned off, so that can't be great. Um, mm -hmm. All the teasers throughout the episode, the reference to that empty Sarlacc pit is possible if something has eaten the Sarlacc. Um, so it has to be Boba, we're thinking. While he might mm -hmm. also show up as a clone trooper later, like we could get a little Rex action later. Boba Fett lives, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> He's just out here, though. He's trying to live his best old Ben life out in the desert. But will seeing Din driving away with his armor change things? Um, he could learn everything from Boba Fett since he was involved in pretty much every major event that happens mm -hmm. from the Clone Wars on through the original trilogy. So Mando's like flying away from the person who could give him all the answers basically at this point. 
Um, I also for now. Dot, was dot, dot. Boba Fett the one who kind of walked up to Fennec Shan's body in last season's episode? Episode. I five? think it's got to be that cape is very distinctive. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, we first were like, oh, it could be Cobb Vanth because he has the armor, but he didn't have that distinctive spur sound when he was walking, and he also doesn't have that fantastic cloak slash cape. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking it was probably Boba. So is Fennec dead? Maybe. We don't know. Who knows? We'll, we'll maybe find out later. <laughs> Anders, want to take our last little one? Yeah, this was just a little one I kind of noticed. Um, so um, Cobb makes a reference when he's giving Mando the armor back. He like, he, like points to it and says, tell your people I didn't break that. <laughs> and I think that this is just a general reference to the general kind of like beat upness of Boba Fett's armor. Even when we saw him, you know, alive and well in his prime, it was the paints all chipped, it, you know, very, very contrasting with Mando's like sleek, shiny new armor. And mm-hmm. it's, I think it's just a general reference to the fact that Boba Fett doesn't actually repair and repaint his armor. He kind of sees all of those chips as like battle scars. This is the shit that I survived. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is what I've been through. Yep. So, but I think that is our last Easter egg. Anders, now why don't we uh, hop into your predictions for next week? Yes. So my prediction for next week is that we go somewhere entirely new. Based on the trailer, I think we're going to end up on Moncala. Um, so, you know, this week we went back to Tatooine. We saw Peli again. So it would be kind of strange if we if we went back and saw like Grief Karga and Cara Dune again <laughs> so soon, as opposed to trying to take us somewhere new. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's where we're going to go, and we're going to get our first real tease of Sasha Banks next week. Mm, okay. How about you, Colleen? Yes. Uh, I'm guessing we're going to come back to Tatooine at some point, just because Cobb Vanth said he hoped he would see Mando again, and Mando said, same. Hope I see you again, too, guy. Or shadowing. Uh, we'll, of course, see Boba again. You don't just show Tamora Morrison for a split second and then not <laughs> use him again. Um I, I agree with Anders. I don't think it's going to be set on Tatooine. I think Mando's going to blow out of there pretty quickly, probably without a nice goodbye to Peli. Thanks, Mando. Um, I think we're heading somewhere new. He's going to be looking for that next covert. Like, he needs to find more Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, can we see little Shammy Shake use the Force next week, please? <laughs> Inside, That'd be nice. Please? Mm-hmm. I have a prediction about Baby Yoda. Ooh. Ooh. So... So I watch everything with subtitles on. It's just like how I watch things or else I like can't hear anything or focus. And it just felt like in this episode, he was making a lot more noise. Like Mm -hmm. it was a lot more like cooing and like whimpering and like, "Eh, eh." I think, and I don't know when, but I think he's going to talk in this season team. Brendan was wondering that. Yeah. I like, I cannot wait to hear his voice. I can't wait to just like snuggle him. Just, like, <laughs> is he going to say this is the way? Oh my God, stop right now. <laughs> no, he's going to say the way this is. Oh. Well, that's true. <laughs> Although, I mean, he's never heard that grammar structure, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I think that that'd be absolutely lovely. I, I think I hadn't planned on any predictions, but I wonder if... Now that he has Boba Fett's armor, I wonder if there could be an exchange of armor for information. That would be a really nice mm. sign of good faith 
Um, but we'll see. Either way, I think that's where we'll leave it for today. Thank you so much for being with us and come back to us next time as we can continue exploring The Mandalorian and other geeky goodies. Please subscribe to our podcast and you can find us wherever you get those delicious podcasts. And in the meantime, help us grow by heading over to our YouTube channel and subscribing and telling other nerdy knights to join us because it really does help. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time. Check out our show notes and how to reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and reach us out to us on bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. Until next time, you know what I want you all to do? I want you to keep those dark sabers up and those episodes streaming. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great night. Go vote! Go vote! Go vote! Happy Halloween! Go vote! Yes, happy Halloween!